0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Off The Dome Radio, coming to you a little remotely, quarantine style. Uh, So today we talked to Chef Nina Wilson, and she is a chef and she is in the super yacht industry. So she is a crew member, aboard uh, very large yachts. Her biggest one she's been on was about 260 feet. She's cooked for people like the Prince of Monaco, P. Diddy, uh, President of Croatia. So she is really cooked for a lot of really interesting people. She's kind of seen it all, heard it all, tasted it all. So she was really fun to talk to, um, talked about how she got her start and what led her into wanting to become a chef. And she went through the ins and outs of being a chef aboard a yacht as well uh tim and i had never talked to her before so this was super super fun uh she's got a great personality very uh, uh just energetic uh and fun to be around so tim what do you think about the interview with nina
1: yeah i thought it was great she, she had a lot of positive energy and i really enjoyed talking to her uh but the first question you listeners may have is i mean what's the difference between being a chef on a yacht and being a chef at a regular restaurant on land? Uh, and Nita Nina covers that for most of the episode. She, she just talks about the main differences, um, what it's like to live on a ship for a good time and cook at the whim of what the, what was the name of the person, the master. Whoever the client is who's using the yacht, um, you're, you're kind of just cooking on their schedule. If they want something at 3 a.m., you cook it for them. So she, she kind of gets into some very interesting stories about what it's like Um, the positives, the negatives, so you you really get to hear what her world is like, and uh, I really enjoy talking to her.
0: Yeah, and she made a really cool point uh, that, I think she said her head chef said that, look, when you're a a chef on a yacht, you are every restaurant around the world because you're, you're on the ship, so whatever they want is what you cook, so it could be something Italian or something Indian or South Asian. So I thought that was really cool where she needs to be well-versed in all different styles of culinary cooking um, and just really upped her her cred as a chef too. So, uh, yeah, I think you guys are gonna get a lot of enjoyment out of this conversation. Super fun, um, and we cover a lot. But she she really brought it, and really looking forward to staying in touch with Nino. We'll probably do a follow up at some point in the future. Uh, she's halted right now with all the coronavirus, but she's working on getting another ship uh, pretty soon. So. Uh, looking forward to keeping tabs on her continued successes. And here we are with Nina Wilson. So I'm Colin, and I don't know which direction, but that's Tim.
2: I, you're like this for me. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, you're all good. To
0: Hi, Colin. You. Hi, Tim. Man, nice Hello. to meet you. How you doing today?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. I went for a good long run got a bit of a cold but yeah oh so, no I, like blow my nose yeah right
0: <laughs> everyone probably freaks out if you just have a little clear your throat cough now too
2: oh uh, totally everyone's just...
0: for sure. yeah like, right
2: everyone's doing the job <laughs> yeah. you get to look
0: like are you like do you have you Please, <laughs> mm,
2: Yeah, we think my, my partner had it last week, my fiance and he was so, so sick.
0: So okay. we've been
2: in isolation for 10 days now.
0: Okay. Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. uh, so I was working until Wednesday. So now I'm like day two of full, full quarantine full. mode. Mm-hmm.
2: And then, like uh, shut down. Yeah, we, Where are you guys?
0: We're in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. Cool. Yeah. That. Yeah. So <laughs> middle of the Midwest.
2: What, what have they got um, restriction-wise where you are?
0: Uh, so we can't drive unless it's work or groceries.
2: Yeah. Okay. And you can't meet with other people, restaurants shut down, everything like that.
0: Yeah, all that. I mean, people can do carry out and, and all that, like order for delivery and stuff like that, but that's the yeah. extent of it. Like you can't be with people.
2: Same here. It's yeah. pretty.
0: And yeah, wh- okay. Where are you at right now?
2: Um, so, I live in the UK with my fiancé in a okay. little town called Siren Sester,
0: which okay. is really cute. Cool, cool. We actually just, uh, we had another interview yesterday with a chef from the UK.
2: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah.
0: I Obviously, I'm Australian, but because,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate
2: no, it. show you where I am, actually. It's real nice. There we go. Down my oh, street.
0: Beautiful. Very cool.
2: Very, very English.
0: Like, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not... I'm going to show you my view. It sucks compared to that.
2: It's <laughs> out uh, my bedroom it window, actually. Cute. quite quite scary when uh, I come in from a shower. I'm like,
1: ooh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah, way uh, way we kind of do this, um, I think via Zoom we're limited to like 40 minutes. So uh, we'll just kind of cut it off at like 10 to 3-ish, quarter to 3. But I know you're. Um, it's later for you, so it might be good timing anyway. But yeah. uh, so we'll record and then Tim and I will follow up. We'll do uh, like two to three minute intro, kind of introducing the episode, what we go through. We have show notes and things, and then we'll send it to you before we release it. So uh, you can say whatever you want on here, but if there's something like, Hey, can can you change this? Can you edit this out? Let us know. We'll yeah, do we sound
2: that. List like an idiot. Yeah. Nah. Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pe- people they say the spectrum. So whatever you want to say, uh, we're all good with it. We just like to keep it as raw as conversational as possible, um, and we try okay. to edit as little as we can too. So yeah. you get full well, approval it. and all that. So
2: sounds
0: good. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just kind of starting out, uh, introduce uh, yourself for our listeners: who you are, what you do, kind of how you got. To this point, I know you've done uh, a few other things in the past. You did like diving, instructing and all that. So I'm sure we'll touch on all that. But uh, yeah, if you just want to kind of intro yourself a little bit.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm going to do the hand actions as well. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, guys. Um, my name is Nina. I'm a 27-year-old Aussie girl. I am currently in the super industry which is basically the playground of the rich and famous. And I am a sous chef on those boats, so I cook for them. I started out um, in the industry because my parents did it initially. So oh. I grew up, yeah, in Australia. We grew up on the coast. I could see the ocean from my window. My mum and dad were out sailing. We went sailing every weekend. So no. I grew up looking at their photos of them super yachting and thought, I want to do that.
0: That's super cool. Mhm. Uh, so was it primarily Australia? Did those yachts did those go to other countries and things like how how extensive is that kind of travel? So
2: in Australia it's pretty small town where I grew up. I started out in the industry. My parents said you should probably have a few, you know, notches on your belt like so I started to do my dive instructors. So I did that. I got more experience on different types of boats, big um, ferry vessels that went out to the reef. And that was kind of the limit of what you can do in Airlie Beach, which is on the east coast of Australia. If you want to get on the big, big boats, you then have to start heading to the Mediterranean, to Fort Mm. Lauderdale, to the Caribbean. So um, I jumped on a plane and flew to Antibes, which is in the south of France, and took the first job I could get.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So did you go to school for for cooking? Was that kind of self-taught along the way? How did you... Uh, Go from diving, instructing, or is the diving strictly to get on boats?
2: So the diving was strictly to get on boats. When I learned about this industry, so there's there's four different departments. You've got interior, which is the stewardesses or stewards that take care of housekeeping and um, service. You've got the exterior, which is the deckhands. They take care of taking care of the boat, Um, mooring, water sports. You've got the engineers, engineering, so that's obvious. They've got a hard job. And (laughs) then the galley which is what I am doing currently. I started out in the industry with the idea that girls could only be stewardesses. We Mm. could only work in interior, Um, which is completely not true now. It's not gender specific roles. But yeah, I actually started out as a stewardess because that's the first job I could get. And um, when I was on that first boat, I was uh, helping the chef out. And I took a few temp positions as a crew chef and I've always loved food. And eventually... um, It just got to a stage where I thought, why, why am I not doing this? And I spoke to a few chef friends and they said, if you want to be taken seriously, go to a culinary school. I went to Ashburton um, Chefs Academy, which is in Devon in the UK. I took a course there and it was so worth it. That just puts on your CV that you're, you know, inverted commas culinary trained and it makes you seem a bit more legit for the boats. Honestly, all the learning I've done is on the vessel themselves. So wow. That's how I got into the actual galley, kind of a roundabout way.
0: Yeah, that's really cool because um, I grew up uh, in a boating family. So uh, when I'm reaching out to people, I was like, oh, chef, but a chef on a yacht, let's, let's do that. So that's really cool that you were able to uh, finagle going from stewardess to that. Did you like this stewardess job? Was it kind of just more a foot in the door? Was it like so-so or was that something you really enjoyed for a while too?
2: I enjoy the creative aspects of it, Uh, setting tables and choosing linens and things like that. Um, You spend a lot of time inside, ironing, doing housekeeping. That wasn't for me. I wanted more. And plus, I was always going past the galley and being nosy. Oh, can I try that? What are you cooking? (laughs) It was just clear to me that that was where my passion was. For some people, stewardessing is their dream job. They get to make amazing cocktails and do really good service. Um, so it's just about finding the niche.
0: Okay. And then, uh, with being chef on a yacht, uh, I imagine there's challenges in terms of, cause you're limited to space. So you don't have like a full, full kitchen. Well, maybe some of these super yachts might. Uh, so how do you create menus? How do you get creative of like, okay, they want this this is what I have. Or do you give them a list of menus? Like is that weekly or what's it, how's that kind of work? Oh
2: man. Oh, that's crazy. So ideally what happens is before a guest arrives, they give us a preference sheet
0: Mm. so we
2: can say, Oh, they like lamb chops. Oh, they're gluten free. Quite often that doesn't happen. So our freezers are so stocked. We have, yes, limited amount of space, but on the bigger ones, the biggest yacht I've worked on was 260 feet. Um, yeah we had an amazing galley we had four ovens um yeah huge amounts of space walk-in fridges and freezers that are possibly even better than a normal restaurant would have so we're able to keep a lot of stock frozen so if someone says "Mm, i really feel like i beef be on we can luckily we've actually pre-made some Mm. or if we can't we have the beef to make that
0: that's Mm. cool so do they let you kind of run with it or is it always preferential on what they oh. want?
2: Oh, <laughs> It depends on the type of guest. Uh, the last yacht I worked on, we had the Prince of Monaco on board and he was wow. the best guest to have because he was well-traveled. Uh, he was just said to us, do what you want. Cook me your best food and we had so much fun. We uh, could really cool. put our best off out. You get other guests um, like... Uh, <laughs> Like P. Diddy, we had him on board and oh, all we wow. wanted to eat was uh, chicken fried steak, coconut shrimp and rice. And, you know, <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. But it's not what we are really, you know, that's not like, it's like hey, you load a Ferrari here and you're driving it to the supermarket. You're not really.
0: Yeah. yeah it's it. like you, you probably get <laughs> bored with that of like, all right, let me like, yeah. you're not able yeah, to show I off know. your actual skills
2: yeah the other killer is when you write a a menu for let's say you write a menu for lunch it's got seven options and then they come on and say can we change this 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 swap that for that and it's an hour before lunch service Jeez. and you're kind of like sure
0: yeah
2: (laughs) there's no such thing as a no answer in the CPR industry you make it work and you do the best you can
0: okay and, and how long are you kind of on board at, at one time? Is it a week, a month? Does it, how does that work?
2: So it depends on the yacht. Some yachts employ only seasonal um, chefs, which means you only work in the summer season or the winter season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like a five to six month contract. Um, I'm typically on full time. So it means you get holiday pay and you get to take holidays is not really a contract. The thing is, is during the season, you can just be back to back with charters. So my first season, we did five months straight without a day off. Wow. Yeah, and because they're under maritime law, they can actually make you work up to 14 hours a day. And I would do that. Yeah. But in the end, you are making a lot of money. You're not spending that money because you're obviously not paying for rent or food. Yeah. Um, so it's a great way to really immerse yourself. It pushes your limits, but Okay. It's a sacrifice you gotta make.
0: <laughs> Maritime law. I never would have thought like they would use that to
2: Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. It's called hours of rest. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There's even uh, specifications about how much cabin space and bed length and that kind of stuff.
0: Wow. Interesting. So what's um in terms of places you've been to, you've traveled, how has that kind of influenced your food, your cooking? Cause uh, I'm sure you've been to so many parts of the world where it's like, Oh, like for me, cause I like to cook a lot, but I wouldn't know what to do with a jackfruit. Right. So uh, <laughs> how, how is, how is uh, working in, in the super yacht industry really enhanced your skills as a chef and, and creativity and things?
2: So Initially, you know, where I go, where I get inspired. My first yachting season, we were based in Italy for six months. And I was just full immersion into Mediterranean Italian style food. And that was incredible. And that still remains probably my go to favorite one. I could eat pasta any time of the day, pasta for breakfast, pasta for (laughs) afternoon tea. It's my favorite, favorite food. um In terms of what you're saying about getting ingredients that we're not familiar with, we look at that as so exciting. Google is our best friend. Okay. really jump on there yeah for sure um a case in point is we had a guest that really wanted zucchini fries and we were so confused about she did a, a very strange job of explaining it she mentioned that she got them at this restaurant so we actually got on the restaurant's website looked at the TripAdvisor reviews tried to find the photo of the zucchini oh, wow. fries I'm like, ah that's the zucchini fries so <laughs> is honestly our best friends. <laughs> wow
0: that's cool yeah because i imagine there's like from the prince of monaco to p diddy you probably get a lot of people that have eaten a lot of different foods. Um, what's the most outlandish thing that you've been asked to cook? Anything that just oh, like.
2: I love, I love this story. <laughs> uh, I got woken up. This was in a charter where it was pretty much 24 hours. If the principal charter guest wasn't up, his posse were or his kids were, it was just oh, around the clock. I didn't get more than three hours sleep in a row. Oh. I can remember getting a knock on the door at, 3am in the morning and the second stewardess coming up to me saying um the principal would like some chicken livers and polenta please and i'm just like What 3am
0: <laughs> chicken liver and polenta
2: and we we had we had chicken livers we had polenta and um poor poor girl she was vegetarian she's helping me because it's you know it's a rush order mm. and she's like nina i'm praying for the chickens I'm cooking. I'm cooking these livers. I look up at the clock, It's twenty past three. I look down. And oh my goodness! I've got to taste this. You've got to taste everything to check the seasoning. Sure. You know, take a bite. Oh yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chicken livers, three thirty in the morning. That was a fun one. Yeah.
0: What a, like, what are you doing at three thirty? Where it's like, I want that. Like, I want chicken liver. <laughs> do you uh, see a lot of a lot of that on the super yacht industry yeah
2: super yachts are it's kind of like a little exclusive private playground where they can come and do whatever they want
0: got it got i'll it.
2: let your imaginations fill in the blanks
0: there. sure sure yeah um yeah we're on social media we can we can think it up uh, <laughs> exactly what so do you ever like uh get to talk to these people like what they do because I, since I, I'm in love with boats, I follow a lot of, you know, the big yachts. I'll see the, you know, three, 400 foot, like what do they do? So do you get to ever sit down with these people and just kind of converse with them? Or are you only in the kitchen?
2: I have had charters where the only time I see the guests is when they walk on and we're all standing in a row when we say welcome aboard and mm-hmm. when they leave three weeks later a lot of them the sort of the our communication is done through the stewardesses specifically the chief stewardess she basically runs the show so she is kind of our go-through and having a clear line of communication with her to the guest is so important you don't want to get anything messed up in between Got it. yeah,
0: yeah it turns in that Chinese when, telephone game
2: yeah yeah when someone says medium red but no blood they probably mean medium well
0: so I was about to say that that <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's about getting all the information. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. A lot
2: of these guests um, just answer to what they do. They are in finance.
0: Mm.
2: Quite often they're very private people. Yeah, Yeah. just rich Russians, rich hedge fund owners. Yeah, don't don't really want to know how they make their money sometimes.
0: (laughs) Got it. Got it. (laughs) Uh, So I know you you enjoyed the uh, Prince of Monaco. Any other favorite guests that you've had or... Anyone where you kind of like fangirled a little bit, like, oh, I'm cooking for so-and-so? Like,
2: um, The fangirl, The it's going to sound so strange, but I'm a bit of a, not a bit, I'm a, a total feminist, and we had the president of Croatia on board, and okay. she was just such a badass woman, and I was like, oh my god, I'm cooking for the
1: president. <laughs> so
2: yeah, that was really cool. That's awesome. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: uh,
2: I don't really get famous. For- Sorry, go ahead.
1: I said, do you ever feel like extra pressure when you're like cooking for someone like that? Like who you really look up to?
2: We did. Uh, We, the head chef and I were trying to think like, what can we do for her? And we ended up doing a Southeast Asian. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, completely different. We figured she's probably sick of all the Mediterranean food. Let's chuck some soy sauce at her (laughs) (laughs) in a more elaborate way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, got it. Got it. Uh, So do you guys get like downtime or is your downtime sleep?
2: sleep 100 percent. i love working out um typically my day works so i start work at six or seven in the morning i do breakfast put up crew lunch straight after crew lunch which is at 12 always at 12 mm. like clockwork um then i'll have a two-hour break and i try my best to get off the boat go for a run or to do a workout but the space is so tiny it might be like on a yoga mat in my cabin or oh, wow. near where the anchor drops in the four peak (laughs) it's gotcha yeah and then i go back to work until however long it takes like 10 11 we served dinner once at 1am that was pretty crazy oh wow yeah
0: um so have you guys been affected by the whole coronavirus is is your industry heavily affected as well
2: essentially our industry has just been paused a lot from what i can tell i was meant to be joining a boat yesterday it's in france uh i can't get there but they're just saying just wait it out let's Mm. just wait this thing out and then we'll go um what is worrying is the stock market wise because a lot of the people that own these boats and charter these boats that's how they make their money so Mm. if their money's not coming in this way they're not going to be spending it going on charters. So that sure. will be interesting it will really separate the rich rich from the trying to be rich <laughs> got
0: it got yeah because yeah, i was curious because that's still kind of like isolation uh and it sounds like you guys are pretty spread out uh across the the boat so i guess you would just be close to your other chef right so i didn't know how affected that'd be but yeah i wouldn't i didn't think of the owners you know mm-hmm. however they make money Being affected because, like,
2: yeah. Sorry, just in terms of crew on the boat is like a lot of boats are just in lockdown. No one's allowed to get off the boat. It's just they're getting crazy cabin fever. It's really intense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was I was on vacation the other week with my brother and dad, and we were in Colorado. And the lady's like, "Well, at least if you get stuck here, you can do things. You're not on a cruise ship." And I was like,
2: "Oh yeah. Oh my god.
0: I've been on a cruise ship. Those those rooms, if you don't have a balcony, are very small."
2: I must be so claustrophobic.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. so you said your your space is pretty tight too, living on a boat.
2: When you're living on a boat, uh the priority on a yacht actually obviously goes to the guest areas. Mm-hmm. So crew areas can be quite uh, petite. You're it's always bunk beds. So even when I was on a yacht with my fiance, we were uh stacked on top of each okay. other. Got it. I'm always the top bunk, thank you, darling. Um <laughs> <laughs> um and you have a crew mess which is where you'll eat and sometimes you'll have a crew lounge which is a kind of a chill out place to watch tv but the cabins can be quite yeah okay got it depends on the make it's quite funny um like german build yachts give Mm -hmm. more space to the crew and then dutch build yachts not so much and italian builds are just like nah you're getting no space
0: (laughs) interesting (laughs) interesting So German yacht is the way to go. Got
2: it. King and Rasmussen, such a good build. Same, like Fed Ship, Dutch. Oh.
0: Okay. Good to know for the future. <laughs> I'll yeah, start planning.
2: Yeah. When you, when you When you're going to get on there. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, right. Uh, so favorite and least favorite about being a chef on, on a super yacht? Oh,
2: favorite. You get such a buzz when there's a service going on and the, everything is flowing smoothly and the feedback comes from the stewardess saying they loved it. They cleaned their plates. He said it was the best panna he ever ate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. That's yeah. so good. Um, for me, especially because being sous chef, I uh, cook for the crew and to hear them come actually into the galley to tell me that they loved lunch. I'm like, oh! it makes yeah. me really happy. Yeah the worst thing is that essentially you are at the mercy of the captain if he puts a curfew on you gotta keep that curfew it's like being back in school or back at your parents house yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean there's loads of negatives but right now that's just jumping to mind it's not not a huge one but Mm -hmm. yeah the worst can be also if you don't get along with someone on board um Everyone tries, you obviously present a good face, but deep down inside, there are always going to be personality clashes. That's just the way it is.
0: Sure. And, um, and tight living. That'll make any good friendships get a little sour.
2: Like, exactly. I just imagine, you know, a lot of people work at a retail shop. Imagine going home with your manager and eating dinner with them and sleeping in a cabin with them and then waking up and having breakfast with them. That mm-hmm. is what it's like.
0: Mm. Like, get out of my face.
2: Yeah, it can get pretty. You have a lot of team buildings. Uh, the good boats, I have like team building exercises, crew days. That really helps create a family atmosphere.
0: Okay, okay. Um, and then so when you are contacted to be on a charter, is that directly to you? Do you have like your own, um, like a third-party company that you work under? How, how does that work?
2: Yeah, so you get brokers. You get brokers that not only sell yachts, but they also might get brokers that specialize in chartering yachts. Everything is done through a broker. They organize all the paperwork, the fees. There's a lot of paperwork in terms of um, what countries we want to visit, what tax we have to pay, importing the goods from here, everything like that. So it's always through a broker. Okay, cool, cool. Um, Yacht Ariants, the yacht that I have worked on previously is trying to change that, is trying to attract clients direct to the yacht. Is trying to change the whole industry because brokers obviously take a cut. Mm. Um, let's see how that goes. It will be yeah. really exciting to see what happens. Interesting.
0: So what uh, do you plan on ever starting your own either restaurant or type of company similar to doing something like this or are you going to stay in in super yachts for a while? What's, what's next? Uh,
2: <laughs> I have got so many things that I want to do. The pipe dream, the absolute... End of the tunnel, pipe dream, by a big block of land back in the area, um, somewhere out in the bush, landscape so it's got all these beautiful cascading pools, put Cabanas next to the pools, <sighs> and have a restaurant there so you can have kind of a day club where people come and they order big sushi boats and like awesome cheeseburgers, and they hang out by the pool, eat and drink rosé all day, and there's a DJ, that would be so cool.
0: Yeah, do that, because I want to do that. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's like going on a holiday, but just for one day. So it'd be really even good for locals to come. That's mm-hmm.
0: Cool. That's, yeah. Do you have a Do you have timeline? How How planned out is this? Sounds like it's it's like pretty well envisioned. So do you do you have a timeline the for that? Okay.
2: I've got the vision. I've, we've got a lot of other things that my fiance and I want to do first. Sure. So I've got my, my motorbike license. Buy another house. Um, so yeah, that's going to be later on down. We're still really enjoying working on York. And it's a fantastic way to build capital, so we need to do that first.
1: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. and and build the capital first. It's important first step. Yeah. Um, I was. I was also going to ask you, uh, how old were you when you moved to France? Initially, you said.
2: I was nineteen, and on the exact same day that I flew out to France, my sister, my younger sister, flew to New Zealand. So my parents had both. Wow. Hey, us the travel bug. <laughs>
1: <Wow>. <laughs> well, I yeah. was going to ask, what, what's it like? I mean, being 19 years old, going to a completely new country and like kind of starting your career, like what's that like? And I mean, what advice would you give to someone else who might be in a similar boat? No pun intended.
2: Uh, <laughs> I like that. Nice one.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely, it's not, it's not obviously an easy leap. Before you join this industry, there are there's some expenses that you need to account for first. There's two courses that you actually have, or two certificates you must have before you even think about wanting to join the industry. One's an STCW95. It stands for, um, it's like a safety watch keeping and training certificate. Um, Basically, it's a week of learning how dangerous boats can be and learning how to fight Mm -hmm. fires and learning how to survive at sea should they sink. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, they get you in the full fire suit and you got to go put out some fires. They chuck you in the ocean and you got to climb into life rafts. The other one is Mm -hmm. a medical. You have to go get a medical, and that says you're fit to work at sea. It's about $1,800 to do the STCW, the ENG one, 200. So that's before even the cost of flying to the thing. That's Mm -hmm. so you really need to be financially prepared to also not work for the Mm -hmm. first period of time that you are searching for a job. So you need to have Mm -hmm. a bit of savings
1: before you head over. Okay. Is it a pretty competitive industry overall, would you say?
2: Yeah, it is becoming very competitive with um, YouTube channels and social media. People are seeing how cool the life can be. They're seeing all the good photos of us, you know, not when we're slaving away in the galley, but when we're at the beach. Mm. Um, And they're thinking, hey, that sounds pretty good. Cruising around in a luxury yacht, earning a ton of money. (laughs) We we get very good tips. Um, Mm. Yeah, so it is becoming a bit oversaturated. not just there's this big stigma in the industry about how south africans are, are coming in but it's not just that there's yachts from people wanting to be yachties from all over the world yeah
0: mm. mm-hmm. okay. and and those certifications do you have to kind of renew those every so few years or is it a one time or
2: yeah you do that's another expense that you have to account for if you're on a really good boat, they'll actually pay for you to renew it. Uh, STCW wow. is every five years. Your medical, you have to get every two years. You've got to do your, keep your first aid up to date. It's actually a really big juggling balance. you oh my goodness, I have to go do my medical. And you might be in the Caribbean and you've got to fly to another island to get that. So, oh, jeez. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not fit to work on the boat. And that's when things get tricky. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, I I never would have thought the expenses of course. behind.
2: When you're on a boat, they do take care of you a lot. They do remind you.
0: Okay, that's good. Yeah. Because they need you to keep cooking, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what are like some of the things you've you've learned uh from being a chef on, on a yacht? Uh what would you say one of your biggest takeaways has been thus far?
2: I think yeah being adaptable that's not just specific to the galley that's just being adaptable in all areas of life when you're on a boat the plans can change like that on someone's whim actually you know i feel like going to capri yeah sure and that maybe oh they don't want to go out for dinner anymore you just have to be adaptable you don't want to focus on the problem if something goes wrong you want to focus on the solution so you know pointing fingers that's all for later that's negligible right now you need to be focusing on what we can do right now to actually fix that so that was a big thing that i've now sort of taken away being like okay we've got the problem let's move on got it. Got
1: it. and that's that's going to be valuable for you when you eventually start your own business and start your own restaurant is not not focusing on the problem but the solution and putting out fires because that's what you're going to, have to do as an entrepreneur so
2: yeah <laughs> thinking creatively thinking outside the box that's another thing they have to do you know they ask for so-and-so and and you don't have the ingredients to make it you're like what kind of substitute i
1: was also Uh, gonna ask like so where, say like you made a meal and you were confident about it but like the feedback from the stewardesses is maybe they didn't like it or maybe they didn't eat all of it like what what do you like What's your thought process when that happens? Because I'm sure oh, some, some people might like it, but it's just a taste buds thing. But when you yeah. receive like negative feedback, what's that look like That's, for you?
2: Particularly when someone has an idea of a dish, maybe that I've had in their favorite restaurant, and then they ask you to make it, it's never going to be exactly the same. And you can try all you want, but... Yeah, sometimes you just got to take it with a pinch of salt. It does hurt because, as a chef, it's such a creative job. It's like creating an artwork, and you put this beautiful painting in front of someone. And they say, "You know, not not really for me." And I'm like, "Oh, geez, it hurts." <laughs> and you've just got to roll with the punches, move on, and then, yeah, you've got to be really resilient.
1: <laughs> yeah, not take it personal.
2: <clears throat> yeah, and that's can be really tricky.
0: That's. <clears throat> Funny we got on that topic because the other day Tim, Tim and I were talking and he asked me, so his girlfriend tells him to stop putting like sauce on like everything or, or adding stuff to meals. And so he asked me because I cook all the time. Um, I've, I told my friend the other day, I was like, if there were like an average Joe's version of chopped, I could probably be okay. Um, nice. but, <laughs> but so he's like, so when is it like appropriate? I'm like, okay, ketchup on your fries, that's fine. Like I wouldn't put a one on my plate if I'm at a steak and seafood place. Mm -hmm. So we were having that talk, but that that's interesting that, um, but that's a good point, especially uh, Tim or it might be really good food. That person just like, Oh, not my jam.
2: Exactly. Exactly. The thing that I noticed, like what you're saying with sauce and stuff is um, just another twist on that is that when I'm cooking food for someone and I give it to them, it's Mm -hmm. actually no longer my food is that food, what they do to it. Is their decision. If they want to put sweet chili sauce on a bolognese, ooh. fuck me, you do that. But <sighs> it <is.
1: laughs> it offend, like, it doesn't offend you if someone does that.
2: It does, but I've got to switch off the um, little mouth that wants to be like,
0: okay. Where did you do that?" But sweet chili sauce on a, ooh. So you've you seen see that, everything. You've oh seen yeah, that. you see everything. Oh,
2: crew, wow. It's quite hard being a <laughs> because you're being cooked for. You have no say in what you eat, essentially. So it can be kind of oppressing. So whatever you want to do, you got to do. I've had people not eat a beautiful curry because they actually feel like beans on toast and you just got to think mm. that's cool, man. You do what you want.
0: Got it. Wow. Yeah. Thick skin industry. Yeah. See, I, If it were yeah. my boat, I'd like go back. Like, how'd you make this? Cause this is awesome. Like, can I watch?
2: You do get crew like that. And it's so rewarding. They'll pop into the galley and you'll say, oh my god um maddie try this cheese and she'll love it you know yeah you get that will come and say oh can i have some more coriander actually because they love coriander and people like that are really cool
0: cool yeah i bet that's that's nice it's like oh you have visitors it's like, hey.
2: oh we love visitors in the galley yeah. when you're in a small room with just you and the head chef conversation can run dry sometimes so Got it. <laughs> we get in we get in lots of experience yeah
0: yeah yeah uh, so are you gonna are you shooting for head chef spot too do you like being sous chef what's what's the goal there
2: as with every job i've got so much to learn still i want to be a head chef by the time i'm 30 i've still got three years to do that i'm sure i can do that but i need to tick some boxes first i want to go to like a sushi academy i want to travel india i want to go to a noodle school i there's so many things that i need to do i need to learn from other people first cool. when you're on a yacht my my head chef my previous head chef dean did this great post he said when you're a yacht chef you are every restaurant in the world you're every cuisine in the world people can ask for anything and you've got to be confident to be able to deliver it wow that's so,
0: that's yeah. really cool to think about yeah um so i got I got a reminder here. We have like five minutes left. Uh, Tim, anything else you want?
2: Okay, battery.
0: perfect. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to ask Nina before uh, we kind of wrap things up at all, sir? Uh,
1: no, I think I think I'm good on my end for now.
0: Okay, I do have one it more thing. Seems like uh, a strong
2: silent type, just sitting down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I had I had one more question. Then we have our final question. We ask everybody. Uh have you learned like other languages and things? So I watch like a lot of cooking shows, so maybe it's helped or ruined me, but I watched Mm -hmm. the final table and they have traveled to so many places where other chefs will talk to them in a different language and they got it. Um, So have you picked up like any other languages throughout all your travels? If you're like so many months in France or so many months in, in Italy, or have you been able to kind of pick up a few things?
2: When I've been based in Italy for a while, I have had enough um, to purchase things at markets and order things from restaurants. Okay. Um, then, of course, you then go to Croatia or you then go to Spain and then you go to France. So it's really hard to keep up with it. You sort of pick and choose different uh, necessary things that you need to learn in each country. I would love to learn Italian. I love the way it goes rolls of your tongue i think it's such a beautiful language you know french is kind of like the more cuisine language but um italian is just cool so that is on the on the list i have got duolingo downloaded
0: oh that's what i've been doing too i've been doing <laughs> yeah. spanish i took latin in high school thinking that would help me and it doesn't do a what? damn thing yeah. man they taught me
2: they taught me indonesian in school what
0: that's pretty really cool though <laughs> <laughs> well, lives, <laughs> That's
2: funny.
1: Wait, hey, i remembered my final question before we do that one right. uh, when you finally get home like back to your own private home are you still motivated to make meals there for you no. and your
2: i go through a stage where the first five days i just get my fiance to cook and he's <laughs> batch made a bunch of food that we keep in the freezer so all we <laughs> eat is bolognese and Like a veggie curry for three days straight. (laughs) And then I get back, and it makes me excited to actually cook for me. And when you go from cooking for 16 crew and 12 guests to only cooking for two people, it's incredibly easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and you get really excited. I've got a 40 pound order sitting in a checkout basket for Hello Oriental on my laptop right now. I can't wait (laughs) to order all this stuff and get this amazing shotting wine and noodles and yeah
0: uh, that's awesome. it does get you
2: passionate again cool.
0: um yeah so nina we like to ask our, our guests like when when we're all wrapping up uh when you're gone when when Nina's kind of moved on from the earth how do you want people to remember you
2: getting all deep at the end there
0: we, we gotta hit <laughs> them hard we hit it hard,
2: gotta hit them hard. <laughs> i i remember reading this once and i'm i it might have been Carnegie how to win friends and influence people people don't remember cool. what you say or what you do they remember how you made them feel and so I'm trying to change that I'm trying to work on that in me where every single encounter I have with someone I leave them feeling better not worse mm-hmm. um and it's quite hard because I can be quite feisty and I can be quite direct so I am trying to work on that I want people to remember me as, oh yeah, I I felt really good around Nina. I felt confident. She encouraged me. I I want it to be like that, and I also want them to remember me as really passionate and a little bit crazy and fun. Mm-hmm. I don't like awesome. to take things too seriously,
0: so I awesome. hope that. Awesome. Well, Nina, I I think I've oh it says less than a minute. So thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Uh, I, I've had fun. Absolutely. I feel better. So you you're Absolutely. already making Absolutely. it happen. So. All right, thank you so much. Thank you for and, the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yep. Good luck.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks Bye. You.
0: Thank you.